Hey Bruins fans, what is up? I'd like to welcome you to today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team, usually every day, right now every other day, as we continue with the COVID-19 pause, but look ahead towards a possible return to play for the NHL in our first place, Boston Bruins. Before we get into all that, I'd like to remind you that this podcast is available wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, you can find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and um, Pocket Casts even. That's where I get my podcasts. Although I did get a Google Mini Nest for uh, Father's Day and can now do this. Hey, Google, play the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Sure. Locked On Bruins, daily podcast on the Boston Bruins on Google Podcasts. Here's where you left off. Where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Unbelievable what technology can do these days. Uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter if you're on that website at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can find me there as well at Ian C. McLaren. Uh, what else should I say by way of introduction? My name, of course, is Ian McLaren, and this is the 168th episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I very much appreciate all who have taken the time to listen to even one of these, and hopefully we have some Boston Bruins hockey to talk about soon, although that's very much still up in the air as the NHL uh, moves through phase two of their return to play plan with a view to kicking off training camps around mid-July. Let's start there, actually, as Boston Bruins superstar goalie Tuka Rask is uh, set to take to the ice at Warrior Ice Arena here on Wednesday. It is June 24th. Uh, He said on Monday that he was awaiting the results of his COVID-19 tests, and if they come back clean, he would be back to skating here on Wednesday as part of the voluntary workouts. Rask appeared uh, during a town hall with Bruins Kids Club members uh, on Monday, and he said, I guess I should probably start skating a little bit if we're going to start playing hockey. It's been kind of busy, a different kind of busy than I'm used to. Tuka and his wife, Jasmina, welcomed their third daughter earlier in April. Uh, He said, but it's been good. Everyone's been staying healthy and trying to make the days go by as quickly as possible. Rask did acknowledge during that time that the Bruins' advantage or their momentum may have waned over the pause and that uh, all 24 teams, I guess, will be on a more of a level playing field in terms of health and uh, game preparation, at least. Maybe not talent, uh, of course, but... Uh, He said, it's fun to be back playing if that happens, but the layoff has been so long that I think everyone starts from zero at this point. Our advantage that we might have had three months ago is gone. I think it will be exciting to have some closure for the season and crown a champion. We're definitely going to do whatever we can to be that team. It will be exciting to see the fans watching sports again, and hopefully we can create that entertainment that they've been missing. That's certainly a concern for the Bruins, of course, that... Losing that momentum that they had as the only 100-point team in the NHL and also not being guaranteed that first seed. 
But I think on paper, the Bruins are a better team than they were last year. And I still think they are the class of the Eastern Conference. Yes, uh, they'll have to compete with uh, talented teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Washington Capitals, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, even the the Philadelphia Flyers are in that top four group as well. They were coming on pretty strong, although they did still have a lot to prove in my mind. And the Bruins uh, beat them on the final night of the regular season before uh, the pause as well. So not too, too worried about them. Matt Grizzlick also spoke to media on Tuesday and he has also begun voluntary workouts with some teammates and sounds like he's trying to keep things in perspective. He said, as we're going to the rink, we realize that it's maybe a little bit more freedom than at first, obviously, since they were locked it down at first. We still have in mind that people are losing their lives over this situation and you want to make sure that you're doing more good than harm, wearing masks at all times, washing your hands, following precautions so you don't spread it on to other people. It's a very serious matter. As much as we do want to play, we realize that there are more important things in life and you have to make sure that other things fall into place first. You watch the news and see how serious this whole situation is. You just want to be a part of the solution and make sure you're following all the guidelines that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has put in place, and hopefully we get the opportunity to be back soon. Now, as I've been saying a lot on the podcast, it's still not agreed upon that uh, the players will come back, meaning the NHL and the Players Association still have to uh, sign or make a formal agreement to have training camps and then start playing. And it's possible that it's very possible that some players will be against it. And uh, if you saw in the NBA last night, LA Lakers guard, Avery Bradley has opted out of playing in the NBA's Orlando, Florida restart of the season. Uh, He is an important player for the Los Angeles Lakers who have NBA championship hopes led by LeBron James, of course, and the forefront of his decision, he said, to remain with his family is the well-being of his oldest child, his six-year-old son, Liam. Uh, Liam has a history of struggling to recover from respiratory illnesses, and it's unlikely that he would have been medically cleared to enter the Orlando bubble with his family. Avery Bradley said, as my As committed to my Lakers teammates and the organization as I am, I ultimately play basketball for my family. And so at a time like this, I can't imagine making any decisions that might put my family's health and well-being at even the slightest risk. And so as Matt Grizzlick rightfully talks about the valid concerns that are still out there, I'll be interested to see if Avery Bradley's decision, you know, affects any hockey players and they too kind of make that decision to say, you know what, I don't really want to be a part of this. I want to stay with my family. It's it's too risky at this point to even attempt to play hockey. Having said that, Grizzly did admit that the league and the team, that being the Bruins, of course, are taking all the right measures to have players stay as healthy as possible. Staff coming to the rink, keeping this all in mind. It has been tough on everyone, but I think we're trying to do the best we can to make it a safe environment and really learn some things in this phase here, and hopefully will make us better 
moving forward. He did admit he was a little nervous getting back on the ice, but he was pleasantly surprised as to how quickly things felt normal again, just being back on the ice, taking a twirl. Um, You know, he just wanted to get out there, have fun, break a sweat. It's been great mentally, even more so than physically, and hopefully things keep going well in uh, that regards, he said. And finally, he said, we realize that you don't have a lot of time at the rink and you want to be respectful, leaving enough time to have the next group come in and everything be safe, environment for everyone to step back into. It's been fun to do different drills and twirl around for sure. So that's some thoughts from Matt Grizzlick and his uh, appearance on a Zoom call on Tuesday as he continues to take part in the optional skates uh, with some other Bruins teammates. Before we move on, I'd like to talk for a moment about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that actually tastes like a candy bar. Each Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. There are eight nut flavors and eight nut-free flavors. They are high in protein, high in fiber, but low sugar and low calories. The perfect snack for those of us who are working at home, needing a little energy boost to get through the day, or, you know, kind of worried about, uh, you know, maintaining a healthy weight while not being as active as we used to be without getting out of the house as much during the quarantine. Now, if you go to builtbar.com right now and order your first box, enter promo code locked on and you'll get off. That's promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order at builtbar.com. So later today, that would be Wednesday, June 24th, the Hockey Hall of Fame is going to announce the latest round of inductees. Last year, remember Haley Wickenheiser, Sergei Zubov, Vaclav Nedmetsky, Guy Carboneau, Jim Rutherford, and Jerry York were inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. In 2020, the list of potential candidates is long, sprinkled with some first-time candidates and other players who have been eligible for quite some time uh, who are perhaps deserving as well. I think the consensus is that Jerome Ginla will be one of the players who is named, former Boston Bruin, of course, uh, and he had an illustrious career, mostly with the Calgary Flames, pretty much winning... Uh, Everything you can, Art Ross, Rocket Richard, a couple times, um, won gold at the Olympics, World Championships, the World Cup. Uh, he didn't get an MVP nod, nor did he win a uh, Stanley Cup. We all know he came close in 2004 uh, with the Flames, losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but all things considered, he he's a shoe in. Other players uh, up for discussion include Marion Hosa, Sergey Gonchar, Daniel Alfredson, Rod Brindamore, Jeremy Roenick, Curtis Joseph, Alexander McGilney, Pierre Turgeon, Theo Fleury. Uh, some builders include Kevin Lowe, Doug Wilson. All these people are up for consideration which all got me thinking about which players currently on the Boston Bruins roster will be candidates for the Hall of Fame and 
also to have their numbers retired by the Boston Bruins. I think there's two that are shoe-ins for the Hall of Fame, one who's likely, and then it gets perhaps a bit more uh, debate-heavy the further you get. But I think it's very clear that Zdeno Chara will be in the Hall of Fame and should have number 33, no, will have his number 33 retired by the Boston Bruins. Chara is, of course, a Stanley Cup champion, winning with the Bruins in 2011, in which he captained the team. He won a Norris Trophy back in 2009. He was a six-time finalist for the Norris Trophy, a six-time All-Star, three-time NHL first All-Star team, and he also won silver medal at the World Championships in 2000 and 2012. He was, uh, you know, basically the most dominant defenseman of his era, the best free agent signing in salary cap era as well. And he, again, is a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame as well as having his number retired by the Boston Bruins. If anyone even tries to debate that, then I would question your sanity. Patrice Bergeron, I would also say, is a shoe-in for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, He is a Stanley Cup champion. He's a four-time Selkie Trophy winner as the best two-way forward in the NHL. And even that seems low. I think he should have won it many more times than that. Uh, He has appeared at the All-Star Game twice. He's also won at the international level quite a bit. Uh, World Championship gold medal, Winter Olympics gold medal, Junior gold medal at the 2005 World Junior Championships in which he was named the uh, tournament MVP as the leading scorer. He also is a Spengler Cup gold medal winner and was the Spengler Cup leading scorer in uh, 2012. He also won the World Cup of Hockey in 2016 and is a member of the Triple Gold Club. If you don't know what the Triple Gold Club is, it is a group of hockey players and coaches who have won Olympic gold medal, world championship gold medal, and the Stanley Cup. And on top of that, he's also won a World Cup and a um, world junior title, as I mentioned before. So, yeah, Patrice Bergeron, 100% first ballot Hall of Famer, and his number 37 will be hung in the rafters beside number 33 when his Bruins career is over. The next captain of the Boston Bruins, should he outlast Zdeno Chara, which maybe is questionable at this point, seeing as Chara uh, looks pretty good. But um, yeah, he'll be the next captain. And both those guys, 33-37, will be hung from the rafters at some point in the future. As a refresher, the Bruins have several numbers that are already retired. That would be number two, Eddie Shore. Number three, Lionel Hitchman. Number four, Bobby Orr. Number five, Dick Clapper. Number seven, Phil Esposito. Number eight, Cam Neely. Number nine, John Busick. So if you want to wear a single digit for the Boston Bruins, your options are very much limited. One or six is on the table. Milt Schmitz, number 15, is retired, as is Rick Middleton's number 16. Number 24, 
Terry O'Reilly, and then Ray Bork at number 77. You can confidently put in 33 and 37 up there at some point as well. Now, the other player who I believe is likely to be in the Hall of Fame as well as to have his number retired by the Bruins is Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask is a Vezina Trophy winner back in 2014. He did have his name on the Stanley Cup from 2011, although we all know that it was um, Tim Thomas who was the starter and the uh, MVP that year. However, it was Rask who led the Bruins to the Stanley Cup final in both 2013 and 2019. And he, along with Yaroslav Halak, are winners of the William Jennings Trophy here in 2020. On the international level, he won a uh, World Junior Bronze in 2006, a tournament in which he was named the best goaltender. He also won an Olympic bronze in 2014. He has the most games played by a Boston Bruins goaltender, most wins by a Bruins goaltender, most shutouts in playoff series clinching games in franchise history, and also the longest season-opening point streak in Boston Bruins history. Is that enough to have your number retired? Well, I should think so. If you're the best player at your position in franchise history, then you belong up there. In terms of the Hall of Fame, you know, if he had, oh man, if the Bruins had won in 2019, he would have won the Conn Smythe Trophy and he would be a slam dunk to be in the Hall of Fame at that point. As it stands, he does have a cup. He does have the Vesna. He does have the Eastern Conference Championships to his name. Uh, if that's enough to get into the Hall of Fame, I'm not quite sure, but uh, at the very least, he should be honored by the Bruins by having his number retired. Now, after that point, it's kind of unclear as to uh, where the Bruins might land in terms of the Hall of Fame and number retirements. Uh, David Krejci certainly has a solid case. I would think uh, Brad Marchand has a case. In terms of Krejci, I think if the Bruins had won in 2013, he would have been the Conn Smythe pick for me, and that would have solidified his case. Uh, Marchand has won at the uh, international level as well. Um, doesn't quite have the individual awards uh, to his credit. David Pasternak will have a shot, I think, when all is said and done. He has a Rocket Richard trophy to his name. Hopefully he'll have a Stanley Cup as well. So those are some of the uh, secondary players who I could see getting recognition in the future uh, in the hall and perhaps number of retirements as well. Who knows what will become of, say, Charlie McAvoy, maybe Tory Krug as well. Uh, but those are outside shots at the moment. Um, so to wrap up this look ahead to the future, Chara, Bergeron, Surefire Hall of Famers, numbers will be retired. A very strong case could be made for Tuka Rask, especially if the Bruins do win another cup during his tenure with the team. And um, there are perhaps arguments to be made for uh, Brad Marchand, David Krejci, and we'll see how David Pasternak's career shapes out, but he is certainly on track for some of that recognition as well. 
A quick but important reminder that the Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. I donated to the Black Girl Hockey Club and a very worthy organization that you should all check out. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter. Now to finish off, let's look at some news and notes from around the NHL. And it looks as though there are six cities remaining on the list of potential host cities for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Las Vegas, Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Now, Toronto has resubmitted its bid, and they're proposing a 40-acre Olympic-style village on the grounds of the Canadian National Exhibition. For those of you not familiar with Toronto, this is a site right on the lakefront, which has the uh, BMO Field, where Toronto FC plays. There's Coca-Cola Coliseum, home of the AHL's Toronto Marlies. The Toronto Raptors practice facility is there. There's also a large theater. It's where there is a large, um, yeah, the CNE, which is this huge fair that is hosted there uh, every year. The Toronto Indy is also raced in that area as well. I don't know if that means they would play games at the AHL rink or if they would play all the games at Scotiabank or maybe both, but um, it's an interesting proposal to be sure. Um, Toronto is still a bit of a hot spot for COVID-19. We, they just moved to phase two, which is patio season, uh, barbershops, nail salons, things like that. So it might not be the safest place at the moment. I would say Vancouver and Edmonton probably have uh, better chances for Canadian host cities. And it still seems like Las Vegas is one of the favorites despite uh, high levels of COVID-19 in that city. So I think there's supposed to be an announcement by the end of the week and uh, we'll see which cities are named as the two hubs for the Stanley Cup playoffs. One interesting note about Vancouver, the British Columbia government has said only NHL players and team officials will be part of the quarantine. That means families of players could travel to the city, but will remain separated by the quarantine bubble. So really, what's the point? It's uncertain how much time they'll be able to spend together. And again, going back to the Avery Bradley discussion, it'll be interesting to see how this issue is addressed by the Players Association and if it affects their vote to actually return to play. Elsewhere, TSN's Bob McKenzie came out with his final draft rankings. Now we know the Bruins do not have a number one draft pick, but we should be keeping an eye on this, seeing as though the Detroit Red Wings and the Ottawa Senators are set to add some pretty formidable talent uh, at the NHL draft. The draft lottery is set to take place later this week. And, uh, the Senators in particular have their pick as well as San Jose's first round pick, meaning they could be grabbing two very exceptional players. Um, 
Bob McKenzie's final rankings are as follows. Alex Lafreniere, of course, the number one overall pick from Ramuski of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Tim Stutzel at number two, which is a bit of a surprise considering Quentin Byfield from Sudbury of the OHL. Uh, many had him up there. Jamie Drysdale, the top defenseman, is number four. Cole Perfetti at number five. Lucas Raymond out of uh, Frolunda at number six. And Marco Rossi, who I very much like, at number seven. He plays for the Ottawa 67s. I was able to interview him earlier this season for uh, SB Nation, and uh, he's a very formidable talent, and I think he might be the best two-way forward in the draft. So for someone to get him at number six would be very impressive. If the Senators were, say, to get Byfield and Rossi or Lafreniere and Rossi, they would be very well set for quite some time. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on the top-rated goalie in the draft, who is Nico Dawes. Uh, or sorry, top-rated North American goalie, that is, Nico Dawes. Uh, Bob has Yaroslav Askarov at number 11. He's out of, of St. Petersburg. Uh, but Nico Dawes, he plays for the Guelph Storm. He's rated 64th. Um, the Bruins, of course, we know won't have a pick until the second round, late second round, so that might be a list you want to check out for some players who are further down the list. Finally, I just wanted to end with uh, two show recommendations and a book recommendation. I have just finished watching season one of Halt and Catch Fire, which was an old AMC show that's no longer on the air. I never got around to, to watching it, but it is on Netflix up here in Canada at least, and I very much enjoyed the first season and from what i'm told it only gets much better from there it's the story of uh this company in dallas who looks to design a portable computer back in the 80s and kind of their chase to catch up with ibm apple and to come up with their own unique design from what it looks like season two is getting more into kind of online the dawn of the internet era things like that uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next. Uh, some really compelling characters and great storytelling in there. Um, so do check that out if you haven't already. I also late to the party when it comes to Billions, but my wife and I finished season one of that show last night. And the final scene of the first season uh, with a showdown between uh, Damian Lewis as Bobby Axelrod and uh, Paul Giamatti as Chuck Rhodes was uh, phenomenal. And again, from what I hear, the later or middle seasons, at least, uh, are only much stronger than the first season. So I'm very excited to check that out as well. Um, on Netflix today, actually, Athlete A dropped, which is a documentary looking at uh, USA Gymnastics and uh, Larry Nasser's uh, abuses committed therein. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to checking that out as well. I don't know if you listened to the podcast on this situation that was called, uh, what was that podcast called? Believed uh, from NPR. Uh, that is a very powerful podcast, and I highly recommend you checking that out. Uh, in terms of books, I started reading Recursion by Blake Crouch the other day, the first library book that I was able to get out in quite some time, and it is so good. 
Uh, for those of you who are interested in stories about uh, time travel and science fiction, memory, uh, it's a very entertaining book, and uh, I'm about more than halfway through it already, just in a few days, very much a page-turner, and um, I highly recommend you check that out. I also purchased, with some Father's Day gift cards, a copy of Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantle, which is about Henry VIII and Sir Thomas More. Uh, I'm really... No, not Sir Thomas More. Thomas Cromwell. And uh, I'm a big fan of historical fiction, so that should be a good one as well. I'll probably pick up the other two in the series to read over the summer. Anyways, that's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And... If you're looking for something else to listen to, I recommend checking out the Locked On NHL podcast as well. Always some great content over there from a league-wide perspective. Hope you all have a great Wednesday, and we will talk to you again in a couple days. Take care, friends. Peace.